good and gracious God, as we gather to your word, to the hearing of your word this morning, may we be transformed. May we come to greater understanding of who you are and who we are in light of you. May your words speak to us. And Lord, would you make very little of myself this morning so that you can make yourself very great. You are the Lord God, most high and holy. We love you, Lord. We gather to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning, we are starting a new series. And so for the next five weeks, we're going to be doing a series called Are You New Here? Discovering First Prez, which most of you are not new. In fact, some of you have uh, been in this church since before this building existed. However, this is an opportunity for all of us to come into the knowledge of what our Reformed heritage is, what it means to be Presbyterian. In fact, the, the premise of this series is to be the basis for our new members course. And so after these next five sermons, uh, if you are, have been a long-time regular attendee, a first-time visitor, a second-time visitor, or a few-times visitor, and you want to join the church after this series, you can set up a meeting with me and a couple elders, and we will discuss bringing you into our church family. And so there's nothing that we would love more than to have more people with us in who we are in the journey that God is bringing us to as a church. And so as a part of this series, the main thing that we are going to be covering is our denomination, so a covenant order of evangelical Presbyterians, our essential tenets, what we see as essential to follow as a part of our Reformed tradition. But I'm not just going to be up here spilling doctrine to you. Uh, that would be pointless if it is not also recognizing the power and presence of Jesus in the midst of what those doctrines mean for us in our daily living. And so before we get into our very first uh, question this morning, which if you'll notice is, why do I need grace? We're going to be talking about God's grace in Christ, which is our first essential tenet as eco-prez. But a part of that, two things that I'm not going to cover, but are also essential to our belief, are commonly held orthodox beliefs in Christian churches across the globe. That is the first, that the word of God is authoritative, that it is infallible and inerrant, and we take it for what it is and what it says, and we do not deviate from it. I'm not going to take time to, to cover that, but, but we believe that this is the word of God and that we learn much from it, we are corrected from it, we are rebuked from it. The second thing that we 
follow as an orthodox teaching of the church are the two mysteries. The first is one of the Trinity, that God is three in one, Father, Son, and Spirit. And how those hold together is one of the first mysteries. We believe it, we acknowledge it, but we also know that there is a mysterious aspect to it. And one day I will cover it, but that is not what this series is about. And then the second mystery we hold to be true is that of the incarnation. That Jesus was both fully man and fully God. He was 100% man and 100% God. And so, that is the second mystery that we hold to be true. Again, I'm not going to cover that one today either. But those three form a foundation upon which everything else stands. And these are orthodox teachings. These, that is right teaching that all churches, Christian churches, would hold to be true. And so today... We come to our primary passage to talk about grace, and it comes from Ephesians chapter 2. And so if you have your Bible with you, you can go ahead and open to Ephesians chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, there is a pew Bible to which you can reach and open to our passage in Ephesians 2. But I'm excited to explore grace with you this morning. In fact, just recently we finished up a sermon series on the characteristics of God. And one of the characteristics we talked about with that is that God is graceful, that he is a God full of grace. And we defined grace in that series as receiving what you do not deserve. That means that God gave you a gift which you did not deserve for yourself. You could not earn it. And so we can also keep that in mind as we read this passage this morning from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all also formerly conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, doing the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of, of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Amen. Well, as we come to understand this question, why do we need grace? It is simply laid out at the very beginning. You were dead in your transgressions and sins. Those 
things in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, that is Satan, and the spirit that is now working within the sons of disobedience. We need grace simply because we were sinners. In fact, in the Reformed tradition, there's this acronym that we, const- that we will look to at times, and it's TULIP, T-U-L-I-P. And T is the first of that acronym, and it stands for total depravity. Total depravity. That means that there is throughout our entirety, our mind, our body, and our spirit, there is a total corruption. There's a total corruption. The way that I uh, have heard this explained is don't, don't substitute the word total with complete, meaning that there's absolutely nothing good in you. Because actually, if we turn to the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, God saw all that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. We have to keep that in mind as we also hold in tension this idea of total depravity. We have to hold in tension that God created all things good. But it was due to the sin of man that caused us to fall into sin. That all of us are found lacking. And so this total doesn't mean completely depraved, as in there's nothing good in you. But I would liken it to this idea of a moldy piece of bread. When you look at that piece of bread, you might only see the mold on the surface but are you going to just cut away that little piece of mold and eat that bread? Probably not. I mean, I certainly wouldn't. I would hope that you wouldn't. And so even the little bit of mold causes the entire bread to be corrupt. We would consider it a bread not worthy of being eaten, and we throw it out. In the same way, we can think of our humanity and our relationship to sin the same way. That just a little bit of sin within us makes us corrupt. It's not that you are completely corrupt, but you are just corrupt enough that you cannot stand before a most holy God. And so we have to start with our depravity, to understand the depths and need for this grace in our lives. But we didn't just end up in this state of depravity because that was how it was always meant to be. Although God had his perfect plan in place from the beginning, knowing that man would fall and that Jesus needed to be the way. But Romans tells us in chapter 1, 24 and 25, Therefore, God gave them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them, for they exchanged the truth of God 
for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. You see, God is a loving God, a merciful God, a God who is willing to give this freedom to his creation. And in their freedom, they chose disobedience. We actually hear that from Paul himself in verse 2 of our passage today, that it was according to the course of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now working in what? The sons of disobedience. And the truth of the matter is, for all of us, if any of us had been in the same position as Adam or Eve, we too would have made the same decision of disobedience. We all have within us that same corruptible existence. But Paul, Paul reminds us that simply this depravity is not the end for us. There is something more that is given. And so we continue knowing that we were formerly conducting ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, but verse 4 says, but God. Have you ever heard such more encouraging words in your life? In the midst of your sinfulness, of your corruption, but God. Being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. These are good words and testimony. In fact, we've heard them iterated before in the Gospel of John. We've all probably heard the passage once said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. But as we continue, it also says, For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged, but he who does not believe has been judged already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the judgment that the light has come into the world, and then men loved darkness rather than light, for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds are exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light, so that his deeds may be manifested as having been done by God. And so God made a way that even though we were dead in our transgressions, something was offered for us that we might be made alive again. It is simply that we were not made bad to become good, but that we were dead and became alive. And that life is in a person, Jesus Christ. 
But by what means did we receive Christ? By grace. Grace is the free gift of God in our lives. It is by grace that we are saved. It is the work of grace for me and for you that pulls us out of this place of depravity, out of death, into life everlasting. It is by grace that we actually receive faith so that we can be with Christ, as Paul says, in heavenly places, seated with him, so that in the ages to come he might show us the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. One of the things that I also want us to understand about this grace that saves is that it is also the grace that sustains. Notice how he said that it is through grace that continues in us that we might receive the surpassing riches of God's kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. It is through grace that we don't only receive salvation from our sin, it is through grace that we are sustained in our salvation to the very things that God is calling us to in our lives. What are those things you might ask? Well, whatever work he created for us to do. In verse 10, it says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Paul actually talks about this a little bit in his letter to the Corinthians. In chapter 15, verse 9 and 10, Paul writes, For I am the least of the apostles, and not worthy, worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But it is by the grace of God that I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them, so he worked. But not I, but the grace of God with me. And so when we think about grace, when we hear this word grace, we remember it as one, the thing that saves us. The free gift of God that we do not deserve, that comes in the form of Christ Jesus, his son, that we might be made alive when we were dead. And then secondly, that this grace that we have received is the grace of sustaining power within us. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we receive grace upon grace to do the very work that God has called each of us to in our lives. We each have a responsibility to the ministry of those around us revealing Jesus to our neighbor to our stranger, to our friend, and to our family. And that only happens through grace in you and grace in me. And so this morning, receive grace. No grace. 
grace that comes from the Father in the Son by the power of the Spirit. Grace has made you who were once dead alive. And that is good news for me and for you. Let's pray. Good and gracious God, we have received grace. We have received grace upon grace that in you, in your son Jesus, through the power of your spirit, we who deserved not received much through grace. We who were dead are now alive. And all we've been called to is to believe. As your grace was extended to us, let us profess that truth to the world. I have been saved by grace through faith. Amen.